Hey, this is Joe Namath, and uh, they say it ain't easy being green. Are you ready? The New York Jets can beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. The New York Jets. I think Jet fans. Jet fans. Jet fans. Bird, very passionate. Bird, Thank you, all you fans. They got their guy. Darnold falling to the Jets. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. That's such an upside. I think Jet fans. Very passionate. Brady sucks. Dolphins sucks. Darn a number lever. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the 8 Easy Being Green podcast, broadcasting to you live from beautiful, amazing, picturesque Crystal Lake Studios in Putnam Valley, New York. My name is Keith Farrell. I am joined, as always, by my colleague and co-host, none other than the number one Jetson in the state of Texas, Michael Lagaris, everyone. What's good, Jet fans? I want to apologize to everyone. I know my audio is not perfect this week. I'm doing the show... In transit, but we are still getting it in, getting it done. Talk Jets you and the AEBG universe. Coming off the heels of the championship week, AFC championship, NFC championship. Some fun games to watch, Mike. I thought this was Aaron Rodgers' year. I guess yeah. not. Tom Brady's back in the Super Bowl again. Uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes, they were um, overcome the Hill people. And Josh Allen, as we hoped, the way that second half of that game went. It was very good for the Chiefs. We're happy that that worked out that way. We do not want to see any joy at any moment for anybody in the city of Buffalo. So we're happy that worked out like that, Mike. So before we get into everything else with the Jets, everything going on with Watson, some other stuff Mike wants to touch on, let's just touch on these games from last week real quick, Mike. The first game, obviously, Bucks versus the Packers. I think yeah. that the Packers had every opportunity to win this game. Three interceptions by Tom Brady, two of them there in the second half. I know the call at the end of the game mind-boggled people, Mike. Right. But also, the reason they were in that situation was because, to me, I don't think Aaron Rodgers really played that good in this game. And I, I think that's kind of getting lost in the shuffle here. After the game, people were talking about him retiring, him moving on, some of the words he used. They were talking about, obviously, that call there on fourth down to go for that field goal instead of going for the touchdown. And all those things should be spoken about, Mike. However, also lost in the mix, I don't think Aaron Rodgers played that great. In the game. Yeah. And Tom Brady, I know, gets himself to a Super Bowl. Not his best game either, but when it mattered the most, got the job done. Another Super Bowl for Tom Brady. I think it's his 10th Super Bowl, Mike. What do you have to say? Aaron Rodgers blew his shot. I mean, he's supposed to be considered one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And um, he only has one Super Bowl win to show for it. And honestly, he's been playing at the top of his game this year. I thought this was his game to win. And obviously they made some mistakes in the beginning of the game defensively. Um, the Buccaneers went up, they were able to control the clock. Leonard Fournette was moving the line efficiently. Tom Brady didn't have all those turnovers in the first half of the game. But Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers were able to keep the score close and they had the opportunity to capitalize. And when it came time in the fourth quarter, uh, there was this back-to-back through uh, um, punts, and you, you you just can't you just can't do that. You got to execute, right? Yeah. And I, I know that there were uh, there was a uh, two of those receivers were not, you know, maybe they could have done a better job trying to catch the ball. But Aaron, you got to make those 
make the plays, man. And uh, you know what? The coach decided to go for the field goal. I understood what he was trying to do there. You can say, well, it was fourth down and you have Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. True. But he was going for the win and not the tie. And he was kicked the field goal to put them in the position where if they were able to get the defensive stop and he felt uh, it seemed confident that they would, that Aaron Rodgers would then lead them down to a touchdown and win the game. Now, again, I don't know how you agree with the call, <laughs> but you know what? Look, they took an L and Aaron may be moving on. And to be honest with you, um, he is not one of the greatest fo- uh, quarterbacks of all time. Top five. I'm sorry. Like, he's great, but uh, you need you need a little more there, buddy. Yeah, but you know what? I mean, it's arguable because people consider Marino one of the greatest. Marino never won a Super Bowl. Yeah, he only but... got to one. Aaron Rodgers, it's tough because you know, like we said, Aaron Rodgers has the one championship, but he's lost four NFC championships. You know, and this looks bad because he's trying to add another Super Bowl to his resume. Like we said last week, I think it's 14 seasons at a starter, only has the one championship. So he's not Peyton Manning. He's not someone that drops off precipitously when the playoffs come. But his teams haven't gotten the job done. And one other thing I'll say, Mike, one other note uh, for Jet fans to take out of this, in the all-important Belichick or Brady debate, which one of them is the reason for the success of the New England Patriots? Bill Belichick was 36-44 and 44 as the coach of the Cleveland Browns for, for five seasons. Yeah. They had one winning season, Mike. They made the playoffs once. You know, not a great not a great coaching resume when he was coaching the Browns, right? He also happened to not have Tom Brady at that point, right? He coached this year with no Tom Brady. He was 7-9. and nine. Okay? He coached one year back in the day with Matt Castle. I think they won 10 games. 11, they were 11-5. 11 11 and and they missed the playoffs. Didn't, yeah. make, didn't win the division, though, because the Dolphins did. So my point to the universe, I know they had four games there. I think they won with Jimmy Garoppolo also. So he's won games without Brady. But Bill Belichick has won absolutely nothing in the NFL without Tom Brady. Nothing. He's never won a playoff game. He's never won a division. He's won nothing without Tom Brady. And now on the flip side, it's only been one season. Tom Brady's in the Super Bowl without Bill Belichick. So that's another interesting interesting side note that goes here, Mike. And the other game of the week, Chiefs versus the Hill people. I know it didn't start off great. Everyone I was, was having nervous. anxiety. I was anxiety. I know you guys were, but if you remember last year, I think the Chiefs were behind in every single playoff game they played. So it's the type of team they are. They could put up 20 points in bunches, but it didn't start off great. I know what you mean. I wasn't happy with the way the game began. The Hill people were able to move the ball. Josh Allen looked decent. As the game went on, he made you know mistakes that you're used to Josh Allen making, and he made some bad decisions in the second half. And I think the Chiefs are the best team in the league. You know, it's the team I should have picked to win the Super Bowl when we did our, our bracket pool with all our friends. Um, because as you see them play out, it just seems like over the course of four quarters, they're always the best team. Yeah. You know, and I know in the first quarter, sometimes they don't look great, second quarter. But for after four quarters of football, I just don't know how you stop that offense. I yeah. mean, some of these plays, they I was obviously the plays, the schemes, everything they do to keep a defense off balance is tremendous. Everything Andy Reid does is great. When you add Patrick Mahomes, tremendous. Obviously, he doesn't get better than that. But Tyree Kill, I mean, when you see this dude get the ball, remember in Tecmo, Mike, when you would throw the ball to your guy and guys would be chasing you and you just run up and down the screen and they couldn't catch you in Tecmo? That was like the trick. That's like what what Tariq Hill does in real life, it seems like. (laughs) The dude runs left, right, up. It's like you can't catch this guy. 
And that offense is just so multifaceted. Last week they had Washington running the ball. I mean, it just seems like it's so many ways they could hurt you on offense that even if they gave up 20 points, it doesn't matter. Because they're going to drop 30, they're going to drop 35. You're not going to be able to keep that team from putting points on the board. I don't see how the Bucs... We're going to get into a Super Bowl preview, a brief one, um, at the end of the show. But I don't see how the Bucs going to be able to stop them either. But I thought the same thing last week at the Bucs. Bucs have a good defense. But I think this game, Mike, uh, the Chiefs showed you that the best team in the AFC, probably the best team in the NFL. Hill people put up a good, a good fight. They have a good team. But in the end, their defense is not good enough to stay on the field with the Chiefs. You saw the graphic that... Josh Allen or the Bills had an advantage over the Chiefs at the quarterback position. Did you see that graphic that was now, circulated? I did see that graphic, and I don't know if that was some type of like Buffalo Bill troll job or someone just fell asleep at the wheel. Someone clicked the wrong thing. A producer didn't see that. Josh Allen's much improved, Mike, much to our chagrin, and we were completely wrong about him this season. We've said that many times, you and I. Yeah. The Bills are a much better team than I thought also. Completely true. However, Josh Allen's not better than Patrick Mahomes. It's ridiculous. I mean, what are we? I, you or Mike was actually angry about this, just so the world knows. He tweeted his friends. He said it on the jet chat, our friends chat. Mike is like, "Do you guys see this? Do you see what this says?" You were not a happy man about that, Mike. But in the end, the best quarterback won, and then they that, proved he proved who the best quarterback was too. And then you saw the graphic that they said, "All gas, no brakes." I mean, now <laughs> hold on a second here. Now that was that was the Fast and the Furious graphic the Buffalo Bills team put out, isn't it? Yes. Um, I'm a little confused by that. Now, obviously, someone in their department is doing throw. That, that's a that's a New York Jet troll job in some way, shape, or form. Obviously, it has to be. Now you you don't have enough of your own. You don't have anyone in marketing that can come up with your own slogans for the playoff week. Put a couple playoff games in 25 years and. When you go into an AFC Championship game, the biggest game you guys have had in that long, you're trolling the Jets? That's mm-hmm. what's on your mind? That's mm-hmm. how petty you losers are in Buffalo? That you're going to play KC in the biggest game you've played in forever, and you still somehow have the lowly Jets on your mind, trying to steal our thunder, steal our fast and remember, furious. Remember they played the Chargers, and the coach came out from the Chargers, the Buffalo coach, and said, yeah, yeah. Herbert's a pretty good quarterback. He's not somebody that sits back and sees ghosts. Oh, okay. Mike, low blows. These are these low cats. Blows now. No, these cats are trying to get. And and let me talk to all the AEBG fans out there because there's a disagreement between me and my co-host here, Keith Farrell. I hate the New England Patriots. It, it's something that is part of like my religion, you know. And uh, there is no way in life I could ever root for that team under any circumstances and i'm on a jet chat with keith and a lot of other jet fans and they confirmed to me that the the hill people the buffalo fan base is the most hated okay now i'm not going to disagree with the fan base hatred because i'm not at the games i live in houston they are and they understand what those fans are like i'm coming from the perspective of the actual New England Patriot franchise against the Buffalo franchise in an AFC championship game? There's no way I'm going for the Patriots. Now, and Keith says, Buffalo's enemy number one. This is what I'll say is that you you created a very small, slim, 
very far-fetched hypothetical as your example. The Bills versus the Patriots AFC Championship game. It's a lose-lose for everybody. There's no I'm not rooting for either team in that situation. What I right. would say to you is that for reasons I don't even want to publicize on this podcast, <laughs> that I don't even want to talk about for certain reasons, you know, you know I have problems <laughs> with the Bills fans, okay? Okay, let me just, I'm going to say it like I say, EBG. I've had issues with the Bills fans at the stadium going back to, you know, when I was a youth. Right, this has gone on for 20 years, and some things have been a little rowdy. Sometimes you got to, you know, put someone in their place and it is what it is. But what I'll say, Mike, is that the Bills fans, a couple different things. One, I don't like the fact that these people come down from this mountainous region of New York. As we all know, it's basically Canada. Right. Okay? And they come to New York and they try to say they're the only New York team. When they come to a game and in the parking lot, they're staring at New York City while they're barbecuing. It's right there. You can look over and see it. I could yeah. jump on a bus and be there in 20 minutes. And these idiots want to come to where we live. Actual New Yorkers. You know what I'm saying? That make up 90% of the population of this state. And you want to run your mouth like you and your bearded girlfriend are real New Yorkers? (laughs) Don't speak to me. Don't speak to me. Stop it. You have on a starter jacket from 1995 you got from Goodwill. And you're coming up in my stadium. Stop it. So, Mike, and and you you already saw it. It was unanimous from the Jet fans fans that go to the games. Yeah, because when you when you have to deal with people that are embracing being white trash, when you embrace stupidity, every every group of humans take any swath of humanity we have in the country, any fan base, any race, any religion, take a take a giant portion of those people. Within those people, Mike, a portion of them will be stupid and do stupid things. It's the way the world works. You're going to have some idiots in a group. You're going to have a party with 100 people. Everyone's having a good time. Then all the way out there on the side is some guy that's jumping through a flaming table. It could happen, right, theoretically. But however, the Bills fans, it's a whole fan base of morons. That's that. It's almost like you've seen this in the country that are getting strength from one another. One idiot does something stupid that some other complete idiot thinks that's funny and they feel empowered by that. Right. That's the Buffalo Bills fan base. Wow. Okay, now... When it comes to the Patriots fan base, they're entitled, they're right. self-righteous, yes. they're absolute New England D-bags to the highest level. The right. difference is when they come to MetLife, they don't say nothing. They're a bunch of chumps when they come there. They're like rich people that go, that are driving through a bad neighborhood before they get back to their neighborhood. They're just, just watching, oh, this is nice, we're going back to New England soon. You know, they're in the, they're in the parking lot, they're in the parking lot drinking wine eating like clam chowder at the games. You know, that's not the same thing as Buffalo Bills fans that are picking up dirty hot dogs off the parking lot floor and eating them. You know what I'm saying, Mike? That's what we're dealing with. People that you could just see, they all have hepatitis C, Mike. All these cats. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's why with the Hill people, it's a personal thing. It's a yeah, New York thing. Yeah, you know, because yeah, I don't yeah. look at you people as really being New Yorkers. Well, so anyways, Mike. Well, they took, a, they took a giant loss. Uh, like you said, Patrick Mahomes took care of business. That team looks like it's going to go back back championships for the first time in a long time. I don't even remember the last time we had a back-to-back championship. It could have been the Patriots back in Super Bowl 38 and 39, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but that it's definitely been a while. That would be a major achievement for young Mahomes, and it could be the patching of the torch from one Tom Brady to Patrick Mahomes as the the next greatest quarterback in the history of the game. We'll see what happens. And I thought it was, I know the senior bowl is right now. 
bunch of young guys are playing. There's a lot of context out there. And Matt Miller is uh, a draft scout or pretends to be. And he made a little bit of noise this week. Uh, all of the speculation around Deshaun Watson coming to the New York Jets, um, confirmed stories from the Miami Herald, confirmed stories, uh, you know, NFL.com, SI, all that, covering all this. And Matt Miller comes out and says, huh, funny. Um, the sources I speak to say the Jets are not, not his preferred destination. And cats are like, look at him awkward, like, what? Right? And then, right? And then we find out, you know, that there was some beef and he lost his in on the Jets and the, there may be some beef there. And then he puts out a tweet saying, oh, why would Deshaun want to play for a cat like Woody Johnson, who, you know, allegedly used these racial slurs and 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 sexual slurs and blah 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 all alleged right and he doesn't even realize that the new york jets have hired how many uh diverse candidates or diverse head coaches the new york jets have had since even going back all the way to herm edwards he doesn't even realize chris johnson did something that no other owner did and supported all of the players kneeling what owner what other owner did that right you know this talking the jet franchise yeah and this fool puts this out and just gets decimated online right and and the, and the fact is matt miller mr at nfl scout you have opinions and your opinions are biased that is what the truth is okay because you have no sources you're the one that told us the page that Brady was going back to the New England Patriots. That didn't happen. Okay? You're the one that gets that does not have the best track record when it comes to where free agents are going or how good scouts actually are. So how about this, Mr. Matt Miller? Stay in your lane. Right? Stay in your lane and don't worry about what the Jets are doing from a business perspective. It's incredible, Keith. You know what, Mike? And I know you were a little fired up about this, and I don't really like to give anyone pub that you tell me is acting like a complete jabroni online or being a troll. I know that's the way of the world now, sending out things like that and embracing negativity will get your reactions. Maybe that's what he was going for. Um, the odds that a 25-year-old quarterback in his prime gets traded in the NFL are slim, right? So... The odds that an NFL top three quarterback at any point in his career gets traded are slim. If someone hedges his bets and says, I doubt the Jets are the team or tries to troll Jets fans for their excitement, thinking that we might get Watson and says, oh, he's not coming to the Jets. What you're doing is making a prediction that's probably accurate because they're probably not trading. Him. Most people know that. What people are saying and embracing is, well, if they do, if this is something that might happen, then it looks like the Jets might be a good landing partner for all these logical reasons that many people have played out. So to pour cold water on that, it's kind of two separate things. Watson getting traded, that would be, it's, it's an unprecedented. Someone unprecedented. his age, unprecedented. Someone his skills at his age ever getting traded. So if someone says to you, I doubt that he's going to get traded, you're not going out on a limb. You're not saying nothing. You're not saying anything. You're saying nothing. Most people will go, yeah, okay. Yeah, we get that. I think what people are doing is saying, well, in this hypothetical, this small chance he does maybe get traded. 
The Jets look like a good partner. Other teams look like, oh, uh, Miami looks like a good partner. And if what you want to say is you don't think the Jets are a good landing spot and you're basing that off ownership, well, I'm just going to throw this at you. I guess you haven't looked too much into what went on with the Texans and the hierarchy and what's going on in Houston. The yeah, reason that educate us. The, the, the reason that Deshaun Watson has an issue with ownership has to do with the ownership decision to bring in Jack Easterby. I mentioned this last week. Anyone that wants to go on, go on sportsillustrated.com, type in Jack Easterby, sportsillustrated.com. Give yourself 10 minutes, anybody. Read that article. And what you'll come away with is an understanding that what's uh, been allowed to happen in Houston is somebody that was a chaplain for the New England Patriots has somehow managed to work his way up the hierarchy in Houston to be the second most powerful man in that organization underneath the owner. He's making personnel decisions. He's getting people fired. He's getting Deshaun Hopkins. Uh, he's getting a DeAndre Hopkins traded. He's rubbing everybody in that organization the wrong way. Okay, if you type in his name right now into Google, Jack Easterby, not the owner of Houston, type in Jack Easterby, Google search. You tell me what you find right now. It's nonstop articles, nonstop headlines about how this dude is tearing apart this franchise in various ways, alienating people, trying to create a culture that's just based around his religion because he's very religious, has nothing to do with sports. And that's someone who's kind of uh, ruthlessly working his way up the corporate ladder at the expense of the success of Houston. But the owner of Houston, the owner of Houston apparently is... Uh, in lockstep with him for religious reasons. Right. You were saying that this is somehow like some Jafar Aladdin type stuff. That's basically what it is. I mean, you look at it like, and also, I mean, and I'll I'll say it to like this to Matt Miller, when when you're talking about potential landing spots for, for um, Deshaun Watson, the Jets ownership being an issue. Woody, the the owners in the NFL overwhelmingly vote conservative. They might've been public about it. They might not have overwhelmingly supported Donald Trump. And I'm, we're not getting into policy. I'm just talking about the facts here. Right, right, right. Okay. So when you get into the ownership, now Woody Johnson was an ambassador for our country to the United Kingdom. On our show here, we, we've talked about some of these accusations that got levied at Woody. Um, if any of these are true, obviously it's a bad look. If he was a piece of garbage over there, it's a bad look. But the other potential landing spot is Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins are owned by Stephen Ross. Stephen Ross last year hosted a fundraiser. It was $100,000 a plate for his nonprofit organization. He ran a fundraiser for Donald Trump. Got $12 million for Donald Trump's campaign. Many players on his team in the NFL, in the country, were like, if you're running a nonprofit, how are you running a fundraiser for a political candidate? You find out Stephen Ross is friends with Donald Trump for 40 years. They go back, blah, 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 all this stuff. He had to defend himself for being a racist. I guess Matt Miller forgot about that. I guess in his research, he left that one out, you know? I guess when you're looking at potential destinations for Deshaun Watson, you say, well, no, not the Jets. Look at the Dolphins. And you tell me how there's not more. If you're, what you're saying is there's issues with Houston because of ownership. The Dolphins have those same issues. Stephen Ross was accused of being a racist last year. You know, this happened last year. Now, Woody Johnson got accused of certain things. This is in July. It's January. Tw- I haven't heard anything else. Right. I haven't heard another story. The story ran for two weeks, and that was it. That was it. There, I'm not, not saying I, that he didn't. We're not saying he no, didn't. And also, and I'm, I'm not right. even saying that. This guy raising this question isn't valid. I understand that. Yeah. What I'm saying is raising that question and then not also saying, well, hold on. Stephen Ross owns the Dolphins. He's caused a lot of problems on his own team, caused a lot of problems in his own business world. You have Robert Kraft. If you want to talk about moral compass, 
The Patriots are the most successful team in the league. They have six championships. And then separately from that, off the field, the absolute most heinous cheating guys you could cheating, murders, every way you could possibly come up and circumvent the rules. And then also your owner is down in Florida in a brothel with a 75-year-old Vietnamese woman getting, you know, a back rub or whatever you want to say, Mike, right? Right. So, and then we're talking about moral compass of these owners, these billionaires. I understand wanting to make that be a tangible thing and a decision process for a player. But right. I think if you if this guy did any research, if he knew what he was talking about at all, he would have known it's Jack Easterby. Like, like SI did a 12-page article on. Okay, this is not Keith saying this. I'm saying Sports Illustrated is verified pretty good, respectable publication saying this guy Jack Easterby is tearing apart this organization. Then on yep. the flip side, here in New York, what the Jets have done, okay, what – the players relate to nine times out of ten who they have relationships with isn't the owner of a team. It's the coach. It's the general manager. Correct. What did we do? We got Joe Douglas, solid general manager by all accounts across the NFL. You've never heard a bad report about Joe Douglas. Class right. act, class guy, doing things the right way by all accounts. Who do we hire as a coach? Robert Sala, class guy, class act, worked his way up from the bottom mic across the board. Both guys, highly respected. Okay. Yeah. In Houston, they hired a GM. Watson had no input on. Watson doesn't respect them. They have Jack Easterby there. Watson doesn't respect them. When you come to the Jets organization, a team that's been pretty open-minded when it comes to minority candidates, Mike, as you know. Uh, right. When it comes to Herm Edwards, they had Rich Kotite. Now we have uh, Robert Salah. I mean, this is not some team that has, uh, you know, that Woody Johnson and his accusations that lasted two weeks in the paper. That somehow is what the Jets are somehow about. Right, right, right. And also Todd Bowles. But so I think that, um, you know, that this guy says whatever. Now, will we get to Sean Watson? We have to see. Will the new GM of the Texans decide to trade Deshaun Watson to his previous team's mortal enemy? Will um, the the Texans actually pony up uh, and and or will uh, our general manager give all the draft picks needed to go secure a guy like Deshaun Watson? You know, only time will tell. But for one thing, we do know that the New York Jets are a destination now for a few of these free agents. But um, before leaving this subject, there was another article that came out, or it wasn't really an article, it was a podcast by Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay. And it was talking about uh, the different drafts, draft prospects that were out there. And their opinion was that the New York Jets should stick with Sam Darnold, okay? And build around Sam Darnold, okay? Yeah. And I sat and I listened to this. I wanted to hear what they had to say. And do you know what Todd McShay said? He said, yeah, you would have to give up a lot for Deshaun Watson. Deshaun is slightly better of a prospect than Sam Darnold. <laughs> says this. Says this on his podcast. Then Mel says, well, think about all those starters you're going to be giving up. Okay, so the Jets have drafted uh, first-round picks from 2015 all the way till now. And how many starters do we have? Like... These here's here's the catch. Here's the catch. Todd McShay said that Mitchell Trubisky was the best prospect in that. 20 yeah, maybe. he was wrong. He said that Sam Darnold was the best quarterback prospect in 2018. He was wrong. They now need to save face. Yeah. So now when it comes to they don't want to admit that Sam Darnold was a wrong was wrong. So they're saying no stick with him. He's got skill. Are you watching the damn games, dude? 
Like, I, why are you people draft experts if you're telling me Deshaun Watson is a slightly better upgrade than a Sam Darnold? That is a fireable offense. You should be off ESPN immediately and replace you with the AEBG. Look, we are fans of the New York Jets, but our quarterback last year was the lowest-rated quarterback in the NFL. So if you're telling me that Deshaun Watson's slightly better than that, then I, I'm going to have to ask you if you ate an edible before that episode or something because I don't know where they're coming at. It's almost like you said, Mike, it's self-preservation from a previous statement. You know, you don't want to seem stupid from what you said when Sam came out. Um, I don't know. We've said this so many times. We've talked about it to so our blue in the face. Every other podcast has. It is what it is with Sam. It is hard to judge him. It is hard to know if everything we saw with him is a reality because of the lack of weapons. We had Gase there, yada, yada, yada. But what I know is this, and I've said this before to you, Mike, there has never been a quarterback that's been the lowest rated quarterback that all of a sudden becomes great. Yeah. Like, when, when, is, when is the guy, and take every single peripheral circumstance into account, and you could say this, that. You could say a guy had a bad year because he had no weapons or whatever you want. In the history of the league, take all those guys into account, Mike. No one's ever been the worst quarterback in the league with QB rating and then turned it around and become some elite player. They, they try to compare Drew Brees, but that was just a whole different subject because he had injury and stuff. John Watson, Mike, we know this type of talk, even to be thought about as a possible destination at this point, I think is a positive. I think it's a positive for Jet fans. And Matt Miller, whoever else, can try to throw as much cold water on it as they want. But I think that the Jets have put themselves into a position with draft picks, with the coach that we hire, with a lot of different variables they put into place the last couple of years to actually make themselves a, a destination for free agents, for guys like Deshaun Watson, for guys like Richard Sherman, for many players, which, makes, which I'm very happy about. All hopefully with the goal, Mike, of leading us to the promised land, Super Bowl, which we will see the Chiefs and the Bucks in in a couple weeks from now. Now, um, next week's episode has the potential, ABG fans, as you're listening to this, to be a very big episode for me and Mike. Okay, yeah. we're going to keep it under wraps. We're going to stay yep. chill. We're not going to say anything about it. Okay, I'm just telling you, we might have a big-time interview with a Jet player on the show, but keep it calm. We don't know if that's happening just yet. So while we might not have a chance next week, I think right now we'll just chop it up a little bit about the big game. We don't have the Wookiee with us as we normally do. But I do think that in this game, Chiefs, Buccaneers, you know, the early part of the season, they were up and down a little bit. Second half of the season, I just felt like people at no point did I really feel like, I say me, forget people. At no point did I look at the Bucs as, I just don't know why. I didn't see them as a serious Super Bowl contender, even with Brady. Right. All, and then all they did is just keep winning. So um, I'm a little surprised to me they're in the Super Bowl, but I don't think they have enough in this game, as we mentioned, to stop the Chiefs. I know their the Bucks defense is good. Their passing defense is good. Hard to run the ball on them. But the Chiefs just have so many weapons, Mike. Their defense is not that bad. Brady, even though they won the game last week, he did throw three picks. Tom Brady, he's the GOAT. But Tom Brady's 43 years old. So I'm interested to see how this plays out. He's still playing at an elite level. You got the all-time greatest quarterback versus the current best quarterback in the NFL. Tremendous storyline coming into this one. I do like the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are a more well-rounded team. I think they're a better team. I don't know if the run game of the Bucs is, is going to really be able to do too much in this game. What do you think? Who do you think is going to come over with a W in this one, Mike? Uh, right now, high level. I mean, I, I think the Chiefs will, will take this. I mean, I thought the Packers would take it. And, um, you know, 
the Tampa Bay Buccaneers definitely surprised a lot of us as the fifth seed coming out of the NFC. Um, do they do they have a chance to win? Absolutely. I mean, I think that that defensive line now that they're healthy with Vita Bea and you know you got Todd Bowles defense, you know, clicking on all cylinders and Nadamik and Sue. Um, you know, that defensive line is going to definitely cause a lot of issues there for Mr. Mahomes. But all said and done, I think that um, the Kansas City Chiefs have been playing for this game the entire season. You can kind of tell that they're that we know that they're better, but they haven't been like the Chiefs until I saw it last week uh, against the Hill people in the second quarter. And I said, there's the, the, the Kansas City Chiefs that we know. And when you have Patrick Mahomes playing at that level, when you have uh, Travis Kelsey, when you have that running game and the receivers like Tyree Kill and Nicole Hardman and all clicking like that, I'm sorry, I do not see uh, even Mr. Old Tom Brady at 43, who I give a lot of credit at his age. I mean, you look at Ben Roethlisberger, he's fallen to pieces on the sidelines. You know what I'm saying? Like you see these guys, Philip Rivers barely survived, you know, yeah. to get back to him and his 17 children. But I mean, the fact that Brady's 40 freaking three drinking on carrot juice and in the Super Bowl, I mean, yeah. Look, I, everyone knows I did a song with him on Tom Brady. I hate Tom Brady. I don't Brady. hate him as a person, but, you know, he is he is the greatest quarterback of all time. I'm sorry. I don't and like it, saying it, it. He is the greatest of all time. Everyone should he go is. back and listen to Mike's Brady goodbye song. It's probably the greatest thing of all time. These are these <laughs> little extra tidbits you get on ABG. You get little songs. You get musical numbers. You get interviews from fictional, you know, Spanish towns called Los Huevos. You don't get that anywhere else, Mike, besides ABG. It's the only place you get it. And, you know, it does. I don't think Tom Brady's had a carb since, you know, um, Obama was president. Uh, <laughs> I think it might be going back to the Bush administration. Uh, so I understand, man. The guy keeps himself in good shape. Hats off to him. I think me and you talked about this with the homies, Mike, that seeing him doing this on the Buccaneers, just is, it doesn't bother me. It's, it's yeah. not the same thing. It's not, and I know you don't. I know, as you mentioned earlier, you hate the Patriots more than anyone I've ever met in my life. Tom Brady's a big part of that. Tom Brady got caught cheating, inflating balls. We all know the deal, guys. But doing it in a box uniform, as opposed to the Patriots uniform, it just doesn't have the same victory yeah. all to me. It doesn't make me as angry, Mike. It's not the same yeah. thing. I don't feel the same way. Yeah. And like I said earlier, I almost want Belichick's greatness and this myth of how wonderful a coach he is just to be destroyed because... He was a bum when he coached the Browns, and their team stunk this year. I don't care who. Other teams that people are like, oh, the Patriots, so many people opt out. So did every other team in the NFL. You know, it's like that's the only team that players opt out. And if Brady goes on, Mike, say he goes on and wins the Super Bowl. You know, say he wins the Super Bowl, and Bill Belichick and the bum-ass Patriots were 7-9. and nine, Awkward. Begin the discussion of, wait a minute, hold on now. What what Belichick ever do without Brady? And we go. The answer to that is absolutely nothing. And until he does something without Brady, I'm gonna hang my hat on the fact that he always had the greatest quarterback of all time as his quarterback. I don't think for some reason when you hear people talk about the greatest coaches in NBA history, you don't hear Phil Jackson spoken about that often, even though he's won the most championships. Right. And the reason why is because he had Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, and Shaquille O'Neal. You know, and so he doesn't get that cred, that cred you think he should get. But then on the flip, 
Tom, Bill Belichick's the greatest coach of all time, even though he had the greatest quarterback of all time. Yeah. So it's interesting to think about those type of things sometimes. You know, a lot of the Sean Watson talk, this is going to be going on, guys, until there's some type of resolution with this. This is what it's going to be every week. There's going to be banter. There's going to be hope that he lands on the team, guys. You know, that's how it is. We got the Super Bowl. <laughs> we got the Super Bowl coming up in a couple weeks. This is a big, big deal for the show, for us, for me, for Mike. Potentially have a huge interview next week. Mike, we're going to chill. Me and you are going to we're going to play it calm. Keep our keep it close to the vest here. Say nothing, but I'm promising you, AEBG audience, next week could be a big one. Next week could be a big one, Mike. So if anyone does want to get at us, listen to us, support us in any way, shape, or form, Mike, where can they do that? Well, you can find us on the Elite Sports Radio Network. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spreaker.com. Please follow us on Facebook at jet.aebg, on Twitter at jet underscore nyj podcast and on instagram at jet.aebg you heard the man on behalf of the biggest jet fan in the state of texas michael lagaris my name is keith farrell we'll get at you next week everyone peace out hey this is joe namus and uh they say it ain't easy being green are you ready the New York Jets can beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. The New York Jets. I think Jet fans. Jet fans. Jet fans. Very passionate. Bird, Bird. Thank you, all you fans. They got their guy. Darnold falling to the Jets. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. That's such an upside. I think Jet fans. Very passionate. Brady sucks. Don't be the sucks. Call the number leaders.